Welcome to Found in Space, a science podcast for kids and teens. Today, we have a special episode because there is a very special event happening in the night sky tonight especially this weekend and so over the next week. Now I wanted to give you time to prepare if this was something that you wanted to participate in. So what's the event? It's the Perseid meteor shower. So this is one of the largest meteor showers of the year. So let's talk about what the Perseids are and how you can actually view them. All right, let's start with a meteor. So a meteor, sometimes you hear it called a shooting star, is a streak of light that you can see in the night sky. Now, it looks kind of like a star is just falling out of the sky and burning up. And that's where it gets the nickname shooting star. But it's actually something that's happening in our air, in our atmosphere. It's not a star. It's actually a piece of space rock. So a rock or a chunk of ice, some sort of debris. Usually it's leftover pieces from a comet. Sometimes it might be from an asteroid. They even happen from little bits of space junk, from human rockets that we send up and things like that. But if that material falls down to Earth, as it's falling down to Earth, it's gonna get really, really hot. And that's because there's a lot of air. We forget that because we don't see the air, right? The air is invisible to us. We go, we see right through it into space at night. But there's a lot of it. There's at least 100 kilometers of air. And there's actually more than that, but 100 thick kilometers of air that this material has to fall down through. Now the material, it is moving really, really fast. Oftentimes far faster than even the speed of sound. So as it falls through the air, it rubs up against the air. And something you can do right now, if your hands are free, take your hands and rub them together. Rub them together really, really fast, even faster, 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 right? Do you feel that heating up? Yes, so that's what's happening in the sky, except it's running through a lot of air a lot faster. And as it's coming down, that air can't even get out of the way fast enough because it's traveling faster than the speed of sound. So it gets really, really hot. Most of the time it burns up in just a few seconds before it even gets close to the ground. Now, every now and then about actually about 10 to 50 a day reach the ground. And if we find them or they reach the surface, most of them go right into the ocean, right? Because the Earth's surface is mostly ocean. But if we happen to find it, that's what we call a meteorite, a rock from the sky. Now, every night, and actually it happens during the day too, you just can't see it at the, during the day because it's so bright. But every night of the year, there's a random chance that you might just happen to see a meteor in the sky. But there are special times of the year where we have what's called a meteor shower. And this is when lots of meteors happen at once. And these are predictable. So one of the biggest ones of the year, and this would be great viewing this year. There are two really big ones. It's happening right now. That's why I'm doing this special episode for you, okay? And what this comes from is that there was a comet, or the comet still exists. It's called Swift-Tuttle. And this is one that 
some of your parents might remember seeing when they were little. So this comet is going around the sun. Now it comes into the inner solar system where we can see it, and then it goes way out into the outer solar system. It goes all the way out to the Kuiper belt, and then it comes back. And it takes over a hundred years for this comet to make the trip once, to go around and then come back in. Now, as it travels through the inner solar system, little bits and chunks of it fall off. And that material, it's kind of like the trail that a slug leaves behind, right? Or a slug or a snail, have you ever seen that sort of slimy goo trail that they leave? It's like that, but in space. And those little chunks of material, they might just be the size of a pebble, maybe sand grains, something, maybe something as big as, you know, a box. But they're orbiting around the sun too. Now, once a year, Earth passes through the debris trail left behind by the comet. And when that happens, those little pieces of junk left behind fall down through our atmosphere. And so we can see them as shooting stars lighting up as these little beautiful streaks, these bursts of light. Sometimes they look kind of white or a little bluish or green even. They're really beautiful. So it looks like shooting stars are showering out of the sky. So as one of the larger meteor showers, there's tends to be somewhere between 60, sometimes as many as 100 of these per hour. Now, you can see, as long as you don't live at the South Pole, which if any of you do, that is awesome, but I'm guessing most people here don't live at the South Pole. So anywhere else in the world that you live, then you have a chance to see these. Now, because this is a pretty big one, there is a chance that you can see them in the city as well, unless you're in the middle of a really, really big city, right? If you're in the middle of Manhattan or Beijing, it might be tricky to see it. But most other places in the world, you're going to have a chance to look up and spot these as they're falling down into our atmosphere. So the shower peaks this weekend between the night of the 12th and morning of the 13th of August. Every year around the 12th, it peaks. So what we mean when we say it peaks is that that is the night where you have the chance to see the most meteors. It doesn't mean that you can't see meteors other nights near that. It's just, that's the night that there's the most. So if for some reason you can't go out that night, then the night after or the night after that, you still have a chance of seeing lots of meteors. And this meteor shower lasts for about a week before and a week after. So any night that you go out this week, you've got a good chance of seeing these meteors. So you want to look towards the constellation of Perseid. That is where, excuse me, Perseus. So the Perseids are named after the constellation of Perseus, which is right under Cassiopeia, which is the one that looks like a big W or like kind of like a Z in the sky. And so look in that direction. And that's the direction of the sky that it looks like these meteors are coming from. Of course, they're not coming from those stars. Remember, they're part of our solar system. They're not from those stars that are light years and light years away. But we name each of these showers after the constellation that it comes from. All right, now, generally the best time to see a meteor shower is any time between midnight and dawn, your local time. 
because the earth is turning, it's spinning. So it's going to turn into that debris trail that we talked about as it's moving around the sun. So 3 a.m. for me, where, where I live, I live in mountain time. So 3 a.m. for me is going to be the best time. But let's say you live in um, Pacific time, right? Well, 3 a.m. for you, that's an hour different than it is for me. That's still going to be 3 a.m. for you is going to be the best time. Now, if you're saying 3 a.m., wait a second, Arwen, I cannot get up at 3 a.m. That's okay. If you can manage to get up before early morning, right before dawn, four or five, fantastic. But the Perseids are also visible in the evening hours after sunset. You may not see quite as many as you would if you got up in the wee hours, but you'd be likely to see them anyways. So a couple of hints for going out to see them. Look for them in the direction right under that constellation that looks like a nice Z or W. Make sure that you have the right clothing for your climate. Where I live, even though it's summer, it can still be a little bit chilly in the middle of the night. And there's mosquitoes where I live too. So you might want to make sure that you're covered up. And yes, if you are in the Southern Hemisphere, you can see it as well. So if you're in the Southern Hemisphere, this is winter for you, right? So make sure you've got the right clothing. Try not to use any artificial lights. So try not to use your phone or have the porch light on because that spoils our night vision. So the longer that you can be in the dark and the dim light, the better you're going to be able to see. If you need to use a light, if you happen to have a red flashlight or a red torch, that is going to help you to be able to not ruin your night vision, but still see if you need to check where something is. And of course, the most important part is to be patient. It's really just luck. You don't know what you'll see or not see, but just keep looking and enjoy the night sky, even if you don't spot a lot, or even if you do, Enjoy taking a look at those stars. All right, so thank you so much, everyone. I hope that you have a chance to see these meteors. If you miss it this year, don't worry. You'll get to see them again next year. Families, before we finish up for this episode, I would really value and appreciate your opinion. So this podcast is a labor of love. I really, really love doing this. I do teach professionally, but I think it's so important that something like this be available for everyone. So it is my intention to continue producing at least two episodes a week into the foreseeable future. But I am at a growth point here for the Found in Space project. And I've been hearing from some of you about what might be helpful for you, what might serve your family. And I wanted to hear from a wider audience as well. So I wanna see where to next put my energy into growing this project. Again, I'm gonna to continue to do these episodes twice a week on into the future, but how can we grow? So a couple of different ideas that I've heard from folks. One is to continue the podcast as is, but add an extra day of the weekend. Another request that I've heard from several folks is to produce a second podcast like Found in Space, but for STEM in general. Maybe do it a little bit more frequently, but slightly shorter episodes. So closer to like five minute episodes instead of 10 to 15. And the third idea has been maybe incorporating some sort of video 
element, like doing some sort of um, similar kind of question and answer, but on video so that I could add in some animations or things like that, or even doing something a little bit more like a Cosmos, but for kids. So these are just a few of the different ideas, and I'd really love to hear from you if any of those ideas or if anything else would be really helpful for you as a family. What would your kiddo, what would you like to see? And of course, if you have other ideas, please, please let me know. I would really love to hear from you. If that's something that you're able to do, you can reach me at foundinspacepodcast at gmail.com. And as always, I'll put the email to that in the description. But your opinion on that, even if it's just a few sentences, or if you want to write a novel, I'll read that too. But I'd love to hear from you. Thank you so much, families. And thank you, everyone, for joining us here on the podcast, learning about space and science together. And as always, I hope that you have dark skies and remember to stay curious.